Hello, hello. This is Artist with M. I'm your host, M. Persico. Today, our guest is Dean Evans. Say hello. Hi, everybody. Yay. I'm, I'm Dean Evans. Yeah. <laughs> so, what kind of artist are you? You're a clown, mime, character actor, teacher, body worker. Do, do all those apply? Yes. Are they there do. any more? There apply? are there there are more. I think it's funny because I was thinking about this question. It's it's the hardest question to answer, and I think I, the best way I answer it in different ways depending on who I'm talking to, what the context is, and my personal mood. But to give it a more thorough answer, I think what works best is to go macro and then sort of divide it up. And definitely an artist. Then once you start to parse that, definitely a theater artist, definitely a director, which is kind of a bunch of different things. Definitely a clown. I am a mime in theory in that I teach mime and I love mime and I integrate it into other things I do, although rarely, rarely do I perform something that would be purely the art of mime. I'm a mime in theory. And character actor, I'm glad you threw that one in there. Uh, yes, I am a character actor. <laughs> Uh, I love playing characters and making characters, so whatever that means, yeah, and I love acting. I, I don't get to do traditional acting that often, but I do like it. So, artist, performing artist, visual storyteller. Lately, I've been, like, I go through phases where I'm like, uh, oh, I'm a clown, and then, and then like, <laughs> six months later, I'll be like, I'm not a clown, or uh, I don't know what, I'm, I'm a dancer. So as of late, I've felt a little more fluid with it. I'm like, I guess I'm a clown. But in L.A., that means something. Because as you know, there's a clown scene. I did not come up in that scene. So it's, at times, I feel like I'm a little different. So then I'm like, well, am I a clown by these standards? But I am a clown. I think that's what I've done the most. Uh, and I have a passion for clown. I, yeah. I truly have a true passion for the art of clown. Um, but, but, but I also do... Um, you know, I'm a director, I'm a clown director. So whatever that is. So I guess I'm an artist at large with a specialization in clowning, mime, theatrical, physical performing arts, blah, 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 blah. It's such a hard question to answer. How dare you ask that? <laughs> yeah, it's the, like the top question I have for everyone. It's so hard. And you, I mean, uh, you've, it's hard for artists to answer that. And it's especially hard for clowns to answer mm -hmm. that question. Yeah. What are you? What is a clown? And all that. It's really difficult. And the more, it, it, it's almost like you could, you can tell someone is a clown by uh, how difficult it is for them to answer that question. But yes, I, I am all of those things. Yeah. Speaking of clown, how do we know each other? Well, you are a student of mine at, yeah. <laughs> uh, at Second City Hollywood. I, I was teaching a class and you signed up and you took it. That's how we met each other. And I took it like three more times in person and then a fourth time on virtual. That's true. Yeah. And, and you've taken many other clown workshops. You've diversified. Yeah, you were my first great. clown teacher. Awesome. I'm great. Yeah. To, that's what I love about that, that Second City class is there's always yeah. a, you know, not every class, but every now and then there's someone and they take the class and they're a clown and it's like, welcome. <laughs> and you kind of suck them into the community. Yeah, I liked being able to retake it because that's not something people always do. I liked being able to retake it because I was just starting out at becoming 
myself again, like mm. a per person in general and a performer. I actually, I graduated from college with a cinema degree. And then I went like for a whole year of not doing anything really creative because I was, I was depressed for like a whole year. So I wasn't really used to talking to people anymore. You might've thought like, oh, this person's really awkward. You know? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sure I did think that, but I also think that about everybody else in the class too. It's an awkward art form and I am yeah. awkward, but I didn't notice anything. Yeah. I wasn't like, oh, this person must be coming out of a year long depression. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't notice anything like that. Yeah. But I did get like more comfortable as I took your class. Yeah, good. And I'm glad you said that because classes like that should be repeated. You know, people, uh, especially nowadays, have us, and, and also largely colored from the improv community. It's like you do level one, two, three, four, five, and then you graduate and you know everything there. And it's like, it doesn't really work like that with an art form uh, so, so subtle and refined. <laughs> yeah. to to simply take a class and try. As you know, those exercises are so hard. Some of them are are near impossible and to simply try them once and and go on with your life is challenging it's it's really good to repeat things yeah and in that class you also teach physical comedy mm -hmm. right and those are a lot of like technique things yeah, for sure. I do. I do teach some technique. It's, I enjoy teaching technique. It's not as fun to talk about because <laughs> I love talking about clown theory and getting all wrapped up into the, the cosmic journey of clown and technique is very much move like this, move like this, move like this. But I think it's an important component uh, that can be very helpful for certain people, um, including myself. I, although when I'm on stage, I don't like to think about technique, but it's a good way to learn how to feel what it feels like. Uh, and for some people, they need that. And they, it's really hard to come by. It's not easy to come by a clown teacher unless you're in L.A. There's a good amount of clown teachers in L.A., but uh, very few of them will teach technique, whether it's mime or slapstick or lecoq or whatever you want. So it's, I think it's fun to try to approach the uh, very nebulous world of clown with a very quantifiable technique sometimes. So I like to do that, especially in the Second City classes. It's fun. Yeah. So most people listening to this don't know anything about clown. Could you give a little description of what lecoq is? Lecoq. Yeah, well, Lecoq, Lecoq uh, is a technique named after Jacques Lecoq, who is a French guy who really uh, spent his life codifying a really solid physical theater pedagogy. And he uh, originally was interested in, in, in athletes and, and uh, had kind of an athletic approach to things. So there's a lot of like Lecoq technique in physical theater and contemporary clowning, but he did speak to the art of clown. And a lot of clown that we know today, when we think, when we say clown, are like kind of Lecoq-based clowns, which is kind of like theatrical clown, theatrical red-nosed clowning. You know, there are other perspectives for sure in, in the world, but he's wildly influential and, he, and he's also laid out his pedagogy in his books. So you can kind of trace him a little more solidly than other veins of clown, but that's what and who Lecoq is. And you can go study Lecoq for a long time. I'm like second gen Lecoq. My teachers were Lecoq and kind of rebelled against it. So my relationship with Lecoq and Lecoq technique and people that go to Lecoq and whatever you want to call it 
is a little bit like not adversarial, but um, playfully contentious. Because, <laughs> you know, it is French and it is European and it is very, as those things go, uh, pretentious at times and i like to think i'm too punk rock for that so <laughs> i like to make i like to make fun of lecoq and all of all of his disciples oh awesome so how did you find clowning in the arts i was studying theater in college i had a bit of a late start i started studying theater when i was 23 and it was actually the first time i'd ever seen or done theater and then during the summers i went to the school for mime theater because i was really interested in movement and I had taken a mime class on accident and a part of the curriculum, and, and I'm sure you've heard me say before, mime and clown are very different, distinct art forms, but a part of the curriculum from mime school was a clown class. I took that class and it just fascinated me because mime is very technique driven and clown is very existential. And I just thought it was so cool. And then I saw a clown show, I believe it was that year at mime school this clown company called kaput clown theater that i was later an ensemble member in years later i saw a show and it just blew me away i was like that's the best coolest weirdest thing it just hypnotized me and i was lucky to see such a cool clown show uh, for my first clown show but that that's how i i learned about it and i became utterly obsessed uh with clown after that class and after that show i think your show honey buns was my first clown show <laughs> really yeah. wow interesting cool yeah. well that's a nice little introduction to see a, a full-length show and to, yeah. get, to get a nice taste i can't believe that was your first one yeah that was less than a year ago my i know so yeah it was my first clown show wow it was cool. really cool too cool i loved it when you said everyone to um pull out their camera phones and to how did you say it that's not some ploy to have you uh, put out oh. your show on their social media. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah, that I... was awesome. Because you know, <laughs> it's hard to know when to take out your phone to show people later of where you went. Mm -hmm. It's hard to know when it's appropriate when it's a live show. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like L.A., you know, everybody in L.A., and I'm including myself in this, are media whores. And I've seen in shows where they build in people taking out their phone and taking pictures. And, and, and it was so, I, I need a little more subterfuge than what I've seen other shows do, where they're like, pull it out, we're doing this fun thing. But I'm like, but you're making them hashtag. I'm like, this is clearly a marketing ploy. Like, you're just, uh, I was so, I didn't like it when I saw that. So, and I had done a piece in the show where I had people pull out their phones. So I just figured I'd acknowledge it head on. It was <laughs> say, so this funny. This is not a ploy. <laughs> I loved it. I got some good, good picks from that. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so I use they, them pronouns. I heard through the grapevine that your character is not one gender. Oh yeah, honey buns. Uh, it's true, honey buns. Uh, well, I, I'm queer identifying. Um, honey buns is definitely genderless, uh, and I make sure in the show to uh, um, not gender myself. Um, mm. Do you use any specific pronouns? Me myself. Yeah. I use male pronouns, uh, although you know I'm probably more of a they them. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just an old gender queer. 
<laughs> gotcha. uh, yeah, I mean, as a queer person yourself, uh, you know, it's a ongoing, constant state of fluidity. So I'm always asking myself, what are my pronouns? What are my preferred pronouns? Yeah. Um, and what is even gender? Yeah, of course. You know, I really just think about it in like a stereotypical way. So I don't want to conform to stereotypes of either either thing. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's a, I think it's really important for me because I'm a very masculine presenting uh, a male bodied individual who uses male pronouns and won't, uh, you know, I'm, I don't really tell people I'm queer when I meet them. But to understand me as a dude is so problematic. And when I look back at my life, I'm like, oh, if I could just go back and just be like, I don't know what it would be, be more forthright or be more embodied or whatever it is to just invite people to not understand me as a dude. It just causes nothing but problems. And then that's me, but it's really a problem for everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's confusing I, for people. It's confusing and they, they, they often will get defensive because maybe they feel they feel like they're messing up or making a mistake and uh, people yes. are so much more hip to it now though like Definitely. it's it's getting better i just we just did diversity training at, at one of my jobs and we had like a gender and they actually did a really good job of it it wasn't like this is what queer means this is what it, it was really cool how they did it but it, it was like oh, yeah it's it's a real challenge for people to understand that and to be gender fucked but I love doing that on stage and I love honey buns I love gender fucking an audience like getting them to question my gender but then also their own and it's just confusing and weird and I love it how do you do that um well you know the there's a couple times in the show where I'll you know it's a Buffon show so I'm kind of like leading them one place so that I can kind of trick them so I'll kind of like lead them to they assume that I'm a man because of my voice and they, they can see although I am rotund they can kind of see enough of my body to assume that I'm a male-bodied person and so there's a moment in the show and the show's a little different every time but I like it when there's a moment where I forget what I say but I essentially get them to agree to, to something that I've said, and then I accuse them of assuming my gender. I'm like, how presumptuous of you to assume that I'm a boy. And, and you know, they get that gender fuck kind of like, wait, what, what? Because I'm wearing a crazy costume and my voice is very affected. So then yeah, I say that, and then I can see them look me up and down. They're like, oh, shoot, maybe this is a, a female in this costume who just maybe has a deeper voice. And then I kind of go on this little rant about how I've got all kinds of mystery to my anatomy and you know while they're kind of sitting there pondering it and I kind of guilt I kind of shame them <laughs> a little bit for uh for making any assumptions about my gender uh and then I try to be very gender neutral in my language when because as you know the show is largely crowd work or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it audience interactive you've sat on people before <laughs> yeah sure sure for sure yeah I sat sit on them and do all kinds of stuff to them. It's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely is adding a like discomfort to the to the performance. Does that have anything to do with your performance? Like 
making them a little um, uncomfortable. I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I do enjoy uh, subverting the audience. But that being said, it's not hard to make an audience uncomfortable. In fact, I think it's almost too easy. But I enjoy making them uncomfortable as long as it pays off and they end up having a very satisfying experience. Because, you know, Honey Blends is very much about pushing yourself up against that uncomfortableness so that we can go a little further than a typical night out at the theater. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like that. I think I get that from the neo-futurists. I was in a theater company in Chicago called the neo-futurists, and they're an experimental theater company, and they work with artfully subverting the audience. And I got a lot of practice doing it there, and... and uh, so that might be kind of f from them a little bit. How did you first develop Honey Buns? Well, you know, I was living in Chicago and I was an experimental theater artist and I was a clown and I was kind of starting to, to become more and more audience focused, uh, doing more audience interaction. Um, and then I took a Buffon workshop, uh, which was great because it made me see how I'm a satirist and Buffon, B-O-U-F-F-O-N, uh, obviously the French word for buffoon, um, coined by Lecoq. And uh, this is a Buffon, don't get me started about Lecoq and Buffon. But Buffon is a type of satirical clown. Some people say it's like the anti-clown or whatever, but it's really just cl clown with satire element. And there's a lot of kind of Eurocentric tradition that comes with the Lecoq style Buffon. But truth be told is Buffon, Buffon in the Lecoq style is actually clown. And what Lecoq calls clown is actually more what would be considered like red nose clowning is more of a specific style. But Buffon is clown. If you study like a Native American clown, they're describing Buffon, uh, which is a type of satirical clown. So I think Buffon is clown. And I think clowning is clown. And I, it's just a different kind. I think idiot is clown. Uh, I think all kinds of stuff is clown. Um, but I took a workshop with Eric Davis, who does a, a, a character called Red Bastard. And that was a really wonderful moment because it gave me some technique and exercises. And I had art, I had, had a bunch of material that I was performing that was audience interactive with the neo-futurists. And then it just started flowing out. It was a big risk. The first time I did the character, I was like, I just want to talk in this voice and this accent. I want to go crazy. I want to like, I want to be so big. I can't fit through the door. Mm -hmm. I want to cover my shape, you know, as a, a person who's, uh, uh, queer and often experiencing gender dysphoria. <laughs> it was very freeing to me when I could hide my shape. And traditionally Buffon is very lumpy and you stuff yourself and get all lumpy and hide your shape. So through that, tradition, I was able to find a lot of freedom. I never really had that with the clown nose. Some people have that with the nose. They put on the clown nose and it's very freeing. And, you know, I appreciate that. It's a part of my training, but I never had that experience with the clown nose, but I had that experience with the Buffon body. Mm -hmm. I felt very free. I felt like I could really be feel sexy and disgusting at the same time. And then the material was really exciting to me because I love pranking people and that particular style of writing is all about manipulating the audience for good for joy or social change or whatever you want to call it and i just really clicked with that i really like to do that
I really love the concept of changing your shape and being able to really be absorbed in the character, but also freed from yourself. Because I, I grew up with a lot of gender dy dysphoria as well. I used to have really large boobs. You mm -hmm. met me when I've already had a few chest surgeries, so I'm flat as a board now. But <laughs> I think I would really enjoy being able to hide everything. Have you seen The Hobbit? The movie, of course. The movie. Well, I just rewatched it like two days ago. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so um, Biffa, one of the very large um, dwarves, he's so portly and he catches things and he eats like whole blocks of cheese in one bite. And I think wearing such a large and cumbersome like fat suit would be magical. <laughs> Yeah, you know, because I, I bet you it would. Yeah, it, it'd be so freeing to not be concerned about how thin I look or how less curvy or like curvy in the appropriate places according to gender stereotypes. Mm -hmm. I feel like not worrying about that would really be more freeing. Yeah, oh, I'm. it, uh, it, it is for sure. And what's cool about Buffon is you not only get to hide your shape, but you get to create a new shape you get to yeah. think about where do i do i want to be curvy or pointy and what yeah. colors and what textures and yeah. it's really fun you have a bit of all that you have curves in the hip tummy part and like a pointy hat don't you i do yeah i have a hat uh it it was funny uh, originally uh i was just very round and big and one of uh, Red Bastard's friends, I guess, saw a picture of me and told Red Bastard that I was plagiarizing his show. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so he contacted me in, not so in a not so gracious way with all kinds of assumptions about who I was and what I was doing and wasn't super polite about it. And I thought that I was, at first I thought I was. I'm very, you know, I'm a nice guy. I, and I was like, oh no, am I stealing a show? And then I realized that I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I, met, I had to meet with him and he was kind of mean and thought that I was like some kind of hack. And then I was like, I'm not. I invited everyone who saw his show to see my show. And of course they thought I was crazy. And then it turns out he never saw my show. He refused to see my show. He refused to see a script. He just was assuming. And so I was like, well, I'll add some different shapes on there. Uh, uh, maybe, I, and I wanted to develop the costume. It did, to me, it didn't look like him at all. It's just Buffon. You put on a, some spandex and you're lumpy. Uh, we had completely different shape, but you know, I was like, okay, well, I'll keep developing the character. So I added the pointy hat, which I'm kind of obsessed with. Um, oh yeah. It uh, reminds me of a dunce hat. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's it's what magic. that idea of like the pranks. Uh, I like yeah. the idea of a, uh, of a bad kid. I love that because I've always grown up trying to be perfect and because I'm the youngest of four. So I'd always hear like, I don't have to worry about you. You're the good kid or something. Oh. And so trying to be perfect all the time, I wish I could just do little mischievous things and play pranks on people. Well, you can. Yeah, I think clowning will allow me to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got to get into Buffon because that's what yes. it's all about. I was so looking forward to your Buffon class. Ugh. Oh, right. That's right. You were going to take it and then it got canceled because of COVID. Yes, it's very sad. Yeah, it's the one class I, I like have refused to teach it online. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's too visceral. It's too ensemble. I, I refuse. And there's a lot of touching I've heard. 
which is it's, is fine if you're wearing touching. lots of fluffy things it sounds amazing <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty raw i was really having fun teaching it too uh, in la i taught <sighs> a couple rounds of it and then i taught advanced bouffant and it was so fun they were really oh. making some excellent work I'm and then so i had a, a bouffant troupe which a year ago today, we were in New York doing our show at the Soho Playhouse. It was so fun, so epic. I can't believe that, that we were in New York doing ensemble theater and, and now we're the opposite of that. But I just thought of that because, you know, Facebook is like popping up with your, remember this from a year ago? And I'm like, oh man, that was so cool and fun. How did you develop that? Like, do you try it out at, with all your ensemble people and then you like, oh, that's not, that looks good. This is good. Or do you go yeah. off of experience? Uh, you know, they start to play. Originally, they were just a group of people who wanted to learn Buffon and they hired me to run rehearsals. Uh, but we were meeting every week. And then eventually, as I always say, if you can meet for, or, or do something, even if it's just once a week for six months, six months, you, you start hitting that place where you're like, stuff starts to kind of cook a little bit. And I was like, some of this is stage worthy. Okay, so now, uh, and they didn't have a concept. And I always have a concept. <laughs> so I was like, well, I have one and I like design and things like that. I'm very visual. So I was like, okay, here's our costumes. And, and here's our name and here's what we're going to do. And I was really into, um, I, I, I listened to a lot of music and I was into a certain kind of music at the time. So we developed it uh, organically from rehearsal and we improvised a lot. Uh, we improvised, improvised, and then we would come up with games and we try to repeat it and we do it for each other. And then we started to do short gigs. We started to play out and do, you know, gigs around 10, which there's a lot of. So you do like five minutes and, and you do six minutes and then writing things down and figuring things out. And then there's some things that start to work with consistency. And, and then after a while you put a show together and that's the same way I developed honey buns too, was through short form. And then you start piecing that together. And then once you, you got a couple bits that work, then you can start putting really, really risky stuff in between the stuff that works. And then, then you really start to find like some overarching themes. And so we developed it that way pretty quick too, actually. I mean, by physical theater standards, we, you know, we had a full length show within a year, which is pretty quick for, for meeting once a week. That's actually pretty quick. But then, you know, after a while we have, we have a, a lot of material. Like I know when we were going to New York, we just had a plethora of stuff to pull from, which is really fun as a director because uh, I just, you know, what usually what I do is I write it on little index cards or pieces of paper that are colors and shapes, and then I can kind of map it out because the bits aren't necessarily scripted, but they might have an entry point and then an exit point somewhere around here. And you can kind of start to let the pieces allow you to build a momentum and Buffon and Clown as well is all about momentum. Because as you know, Clown is happens in front of an audience. You know, if you try to script a clown show, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is that Clown? I don't even know if that's Clown, but it's yeah. difficult. That's how we made it. We improvised and, yeah. and, and put things together. So since Buffon is kind of like clowning, do they make eye contact with the audience? Yes, of course. Yeah, oh, the whole yeah. time. The, it's very real like that. And that's why it's client you know you could argue that that's clown you know that connection but yeah. it, and that's why often people will take a clown class and then get into Buffon because when you go to a Buffon class like you, you know you've got to have like kind of an understanding of that that you're going to be in the room with people 
in a, in a much more charged way. You know, Lecoq Le Le uh, uh, said the difference between clown and Buffon is with clown, the joke is always on the clown. And with Buffon, the joke is on the audience, which is not necessarily specific to clown and Buffon. I think it's really defining what satire is. And, uh, and that's true, wh whether you think Buffon is clown and clown is something else. Uh, uh, you know, clown, you're sharing a space with people, you're in that room, it's very real. Uh, with Buffon, you're sharing that space with people and you have an intention. You have a message to deliver. You're not just there, you know, at the mercy of the cosmic wind, much like a clown, you're there with a goal that is very severe. Uh, in Native American clowns, you're there to fix a problem in society. In my case, that's kind of what I'm doing. It's, you know, the show was very much born out of um, what was happening, you know, what was happening politically then? You know what it was, it, the Occupy movement was, was kicking off, which was kind of like, oh, we know there's something going on, but we're not quite sure what it is. And I was feeling political, but I'm not really into making art that's overtly political or heavy handed. And Buffon doesn't really work that way only because you are grotesque. The audience thinks that you're lower status than them, even though the opposite is true. So if it's heavy handed, it has the exact opposite effect. Uh, I hate to sound cynical, but most Buffons make that mistake. You know, they come out and they're like, uh, you know, the Iraq war, which is a war we should have never been in. And the audience is checked out. You really uh, have to be very crafty and conniving and manipulative in a way that is uh, fun for the audience, but also at their expense. You know, the, the ideal goal is they realize that you were making fun of them the whole time on the way home from the theater, right? That's that's the goal. They, they're driving home and they're like, oh, fuck. Now, truth be told, they're, they're doing that a little bit while you watch them. They're like, is he is he taking the piss out of me? But the craft of it, and, and those who have taken my Buffon class know it's hard. It is not easy. <laughs> and it can be very frustrating to study Buffon. Because in a clown class, generally, you know, it, for, at least for me, I like to create a nice environment. Um, you really do. Yeah, it's very different than like the Gaulier style uh, or the Dr. Brown style, which is very much in the Gaulier style. But in the Buffon, the audience, the other students, they actually have tennis balls in their hands. And if they don't like you, and I don't mean don't think you're funny, or I mean, if they don't like you, they throw it at you. The and audience so, does? Yeah, the audience does. So you have a, a very real uh, sense of if they like you or not. Wow. Um, I can't imagine any other performance where you're allowed to throw things at the person. Yeah, it's really brutal. It's really medieval. But there's a lot to be learned from it, for sure, because you have to play your long game. You can't come out there yeah. and be like, fuck you, look how disgusting you are. You're just, it's tennis balls. You have to get the same message across without getting a tennis ball thrown at you, which wow. requires a lot more patience. You have to put your ego aside because that's the thing with Buffon, you're disgusting. You've been invited down out of your cave in the mountains to entertain the town this one night. And if they don't like you, they're gonna shoot you. But at the same time, you're not stupid like they think you are. 
They think you're very silly, like a clown, but you're not. Buffons are very intelligent. And one of the issues that I have is that LA is so flavored by the idiot scene. And I love the idiot scene. I'm an idiot. I've taken all the classes many times. Can you define idiot for us? Because it's come up a few times in my podcast and everyone has a different definition. Yeah, I mean, it's a style of clown, to, to, to put it simply. Idiot is a term, uh, Philippe Gallier uses the term fantastical, magical idiot. But when people are talking about the idiot scene in, in L.A., they're talking about John Gilkey's idiot workshop. It's a, it's a specific kind of style of improvisational clowning or devising or whatever you want to call it that he you know, has kind of developed a somewhat ensemble-based. It's challenging and it's very fun. And it's very much about being an idiot and finding your inner idiot. And the issue that I have with Buffon, with that the, everybody comes in and every clown in LA has taken a million idiot classes and they come in and, and they're acting like idiots. <laughs> and I'll give them a note and they push back in the way that idiots do. And I have to be very clear of like, okay, no, this, I don't want you to be an idiot. I want you to be insanely smart. I want you to do things that you can do well. I'm sure if John Gilkey listened to this, he'd say, well, you can do that. But you know, that's what idiot is. It's, it's kind of like an ensemble based, although you can definitely do solo ensemble based improvisational clown style, which uh, is very much about emboldening the dumbest and most brazen parts of your creativity. And it's wildly fun and very challenging. It's not easy, but it's really fun. And definitely, you know, and Gilkey's a, a really great guy to work with. You know, he's really uh, cool to have in class and, and to work with. So you gotta do idiot. Yeah. Is there any teaching styles or instructors that you didn't vibe with when you were learning the arts? I mean, all of them. I, I'm very like, I butt heads with all my teachers. I don't know, I'm stubborn or maybe I have an ego. I know when I studied with Avner, who, who Avner is more, more than, Avner the eccentric, Avner Eisenberg, it's one of the more influential teachers I had only because I went to him. I was already a clown and I was uh, doing gigs and working professionally. So I went there with a young person's ego and really butted heads with him. But, you know, I kind of hit my, did that thing that often happens in a clown class where you have kind of an ego death. I was like, I had ridden a motorcycle to Maine. It took me four days to get there to take his workshop and just couldn't stand him for like the first few days. And the, I wanted to leave, but the only reason I didn't is because I was like, I'm not in the mood for a four day motorcycle trip. I've only been here for three days. So I made myself stay and just got over myself and had an artistic epiphany. Um, and I'm still very different from his style. You know, there's a lot of things I might uh, disagree with, but he changed everything uh, in terms of how I approached the work and gave me so much technique. And immediately when I got home, I was a much better clown. But uh, so I disagreed with him. And then Philippe Gallier, similar. I, I had all, I took his uh, clown workshop, had all kinds of issues with him. I was like, God, he's such a prick. But I got a lot out of it. I, I don't necessarily vibe with that particular pedagogy. It, it was It's challenging for me. Um, I got a lot out of it as a teacher. Um, uh, I'm glad I got to study with him. I would like to study with him again, but didn't particularly vibe with how I learn. I'm very gentle. And as, as you know, as a queer person, when you're working with those like old clown dudes, it, it's not just dudes. It's, it's everybody. When you're working with old people, <laughs> 
you know, everything they do is gendered and Gaulier's putting you in costumes and remarking about your body and even Gilkey, you know, I, I've had issues with because he always makes me take my shirt off. And, you know, like a, a part of me is like, well, I'll take my shirt off. I'm in pretty good shape. I'll look hot. But it, but I but it's not the same as asking a dude to take his shirt off. It, it's it's very different. He doesn't understand that. He understands me as a dude. And I have issues with that. It's not, uh, you know, it just, it's like, eh, I wish they were more hip. You know? And, and Gaulier is like that to an extreme. Uh, he's, you know, an old French guy. So he's a misogynist. Uh, he's racist as fuck. Uh, he probably doesn't know what queer is. And if you told him, he'd just berate you for it. <laughs> that That's kind of why people go to him. He's everybody's like kind of clown dom. You know, so people go to him year after year to be domed. I don't particularly want to be domed like that. It was fun <laughs> to do it. Uh, but the technique in there is very real. He is a brilliant clown and a brilliant director and a brilliant teacher. Mm. But uh, I do, you know, I had some ethical issues with him. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't vibe well with instructors that are so like abrasive and insult you in front of the class. That's why I really took yeah. to your gentle techniques. Yeah. And like, even just little things you would say, like movement should be enjoyed. I never thought of that before that. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's funny because I have people that take my class that want the Gaulier and want the Dr. Brown style. Yeah. And they want that brutality. And it makes me so mad because I, I have to just tell them like, I'm not going to give that to you. But in a way you end up doming them even harder because they're like, oh, you're depriving me. And I'm just like, ooh, gross, get out of here, whatever you is. And they're always the worst fucking students. I know that's judgmental, but hey, this is the podcast, baby. They're always the worst students. They're just like, come on, give it to me raw. And I'm like, ooh, gross. Like, go go, go pay a dominatrix to do this yeah. to you. Like, I'm an artist. Uh, I'm trying to teach you how to be an artist. And in my particular take on things is very like pragmatic. I'm like, I'm an artist. I want to get gigs. I want to get paid. I want to do fun shows. I want to tour around. So like, if you want to do that, then I can help expedite that process. But I am not about to try to make someone cry um, or at least not cry because I've hurt them. I mean, people cry in clown class all the time, but uh, I- But not from pain. Yeah, and people, way. and that's a big misconception about Buffon too. Is they think that it's going to be the most brutal because it's brutal in its uh, performance, but I'm like, well, it's it's brutal in in you know that the audience is throwing rocks at you, but my teaching style is not brutal. I'm not gonna. Oh, I have right. a student who I will not name, but who just like demanded that of me, and I was always like, ew, gross. Like I am not your clown daddy. There's plenty of clown daddies. There's so many clown daddies and I'm sure they'd be happy to yell at you and make fun of you for like having a tiny wiener and all the things, you know, it's like those yeah. people that pay people to like, you know, definitely humiliate them. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So I, we're on the same page with that. Totally. Cause, um, I've had, while I was taking your clown classes, I was also part of this acting class that was all about like insulting you and like oh, rating people on a system of like who's the worst person so they have to go first and then who's 
people that you want to see go right before you because if you get there early or something you get to pick the order of who's doing the scene first gross and i would always always go first <sighs> every single time and you you could tell how like scared i was even in your gentle class probably yeah and so i would be coming from that type of situation and i have a learning difficulties with hearing instructions and and like absorbing them mm -hmm. and understanding things written so i would always have to go first so i could never see someone else do it to understand the instructions so i would always go fail be insulted Everyone else gets to go. I finally figure out what the goal was and I can't do it again. Yeah. So every single time for a year. Yeah, it's so challenging. I mean, I know like when I was doing Gaulier or really with a lot of the older clown teachers, I, as a, as a queer person, am very protective of my dignity. Just I'm very protective of my dignity. It's very hard for me to have my dignity and feel like I have my dignity. And, and so there are times where they're trying to break me down. And, you know, a lot of that type of training is to get you to rock bottom as fast as possible so that you can change your relationship with performing so that you're not trying to be funny or interesting or just trying to get people to like you and you're really doing it for yourself. And that's the beautiful part of that pedagogy. But for some reason, the way that they often do it, it, it doesn't sit right with me. And I'm like, well, and, and it's not, it's so funny because we'll take, for instance, like Chad Damiani, who does Chad Live Directs. And Chad has a very a brutal style of live directing where he breaks you down. And I've worked with him a lot and I've never had an issue with him because there's a level of, of playfulness to it and understanding and respect that comes through, even though he's being hyperbolic. He's being hypercritical. He's just roasting you harder than anyone can. And I've never had that issue with him. I, I, you know, I've never felt insulted. But with some of the teachers, I feel like there, you know, there is a lot of ego there because they're older, successful men. And the way that they uh, approach that or the, the flavor in which they approach that type of um, ridicule, even though it's fake, uh, overwhelms me and makes me protective of my dignity and ultimately shuts me down and 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 makes me very disconnected because I don't do well in those classes you know Gaulier I was a very and I was in that class with a lot of my students and and I'll tell you they were like oh you know my my clown teacher is not a very good clown <laughs> I was like well yeah. that's you know, that's what Gallier is. You're the worst clown you've ever been when you're working with him. I definitely get shut down in the same way as you're describing that it's hard to even be creative. Oh yeah. Well, the first thing that gets shut down with your brain is creativity. I've talked about that in class. Like yeah. when you're, when you're undergoing panic or you're experiencing complete body dysmorphia, like I know when me, I'm on stage and, and, you know, some clown teacher goes, take your shirt off. Well, I might look one way, or maybe they think that's going to make me look vulnerable. I, I don't even have a sense of what my shape is in that moment. Uh, and, and it's like sirens going off in my head, and I, I'm completely gone. Uh, I'm not vulnerable. I, it's like I'm so vulnerable that I'm invulnerable because it's just a different experience. But yeah, I, I completely shut down. And, and the first thing to shut down if you're undergoing fight or flight uh, or any type of um, body dysmorphia is your creativity. Because you don't need, 
your like high art poetry flowing. You know, it's like no artist who's like, you know, like a, a poet or a painter right while they're painting takes off all their clothes and stands in front of everyone they have a crush on while they're trying to accept no they're they've got like their little tea and they're in their little apartment and they're you know it's like it's a very different thing I'm in that same space everybody's different I know but for me uh I I'm I need to be gently coaxed uh, out of my cave but ultimately I think you know, it's like being a clown snitch, not a snitch, someone who tells on somebody, but like the Harry Potter snitch. There are clowns that are, they have the sticks and they hit the ball through the hoop and they're like the jock clowns, like the Gullier, Dr. Brown, they're like the clown jocks. And then there's like the snitch, like you you rarely see it. They're, they're like deep in their cave somewhere, but every now and then the light hits just right and the clouds part and you catch a little glimpse and, and, and ultimately, the quietest, gentlest, a little snitch is the most powerful clown. You know, I, I think that's true. It's like queer clowns are the snitches of the Quidditch clown. Yay. <laughs> that's uplifting. <laughs> oh, man. So the hard, the hardest to catch. Yeah. So growing up, was it hard for you? Like, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Ohio. Like, yeah, it was hard. Hell yeah, it was hard. Uh, yeah, you know, grew up single mom, poor, um, really st struggled, trauma, you know, <laughs> Midwest yeah. uh, in, in the 80s, uh, very confused. Was there yeah. time for any art? Because you said that you found clown when you were 23. Was there any art for you? There, there wasn't in any really official way. I didn't do any extracurricular activities in school. I did excel in art class. Uh, I was always good at the art and I was always creative. In fact, I found my old report card from like second grade. And I had, I remember I had this series of report cards for like first, second, third grade. And they all said the same thing. I was an awful student. I was just like a dreamer. I had, I'm sure, undiagnosed ADHD uh, and undiagnosed everything. Uh, they all said, uh, you know, not a good student, but very creative. <laughs> and I didn't really know, recognize that at the time, but I was good at art class. Uh, I liked art class and I had little things that were important to me. I always liked music and my mom let me listen to any kind of music I want. In fact, rap, uh, when all the controversy was coming out with the, you had to be 18 to buy certain albums. My mom would buy me, well, I'd be like, mom, I want the new NWA album. My Midwestern mom would be like, sure no questions asked and I could listen to whatever kind of music I liked. I like to dance although secretly I had really extreme social anxiety I still do uh, but really extreme as a child um, but I found opportunities for art my mom would take me to the ballet for the see the nutcracker which was always fun but not in any you know comparatively there wasn't really any creative outlet really honestly when I think back onto it I would goof off with my friends. That's what I did and how, who my friends were. My friends were just people that could hang. We just goofed off and acted stupid and funny. And mm. that, that was really my outlet. Mm. And that's really what I, all I want to do is goof off with my friends. And if I can find a way to get paid for that, it's great. But goofing off with my friends is like, that's the reason why I'm here. 
Yeah, that's my goal too. That's why I have my friends and instructors that are my friends too. Yeah. I have them on my podcast. I keep wanting to create things with my friends. Yeah. Who who else is on here? I want to talk some smack. Let's get the yeah. Vanita. This. Vanita. Oh, Vanita was on here. Okay, cool. Yeah. Vanita, that fucking bitch. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Vanita, if you're out there, I swear to God. No, I'm just trying to start some controversy. Yeah. We'll get all her um, Instagram followers to come beat us up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I know. She's got like 8 million Instagram followers. I'm like, what the hell? Okay. Like 18,000. Yeah. That's still more than my 500. And every time oh, I get yeah. one more, I'm like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's always someone I know, though. So that's at least comfort. That's good. You've got a productive five. Hey, I'd rather have a productive 500 than, uh, you know, 18,000 people that just know me. Uh, but <laughs> I, who knows? Maybe they're eight. She, she probably has 18,000 close friends. Like knowing Vanita, she probably has 18,000 close friends. Yeah, she's pretty magical. <laughs> so what's your favorite dessert? <laughs> favorite dessert you know creme brulee probably oh, I've got you know it's funny i i dated a pastry chef once and she was amazing because she could make anything from scratch right there oh, and i was gosh. like one time i was like i love creme brulee i could eat like six creme brulees and she goes no you couldn't and i was like yeah i can <laughs> and she goes no you can't and i was like i definitely can they're small and she goes okay she literally got up and cooked six creme brulees from scratch she had the torch she had the torch and everything she cooked six she put them in front of me I mean it, you know it took her like an hour but she did it and I was like oh my god and I ate uh two and thought I was gonna barf and she was like yeah you can't it's like it's the most dense dessert there is so you know it's it's, it's yeah it's more dense than like pudding and yeah I ate two and I thought I was gonna die and I was wrong so wow she totally proved you wrong. Oh my god! But gosh. I like creme brulee. Me too. That's actually one that uh, Becca Down, my third uh, guest, she said that as well. Oh, cool. I don't know why I just started doing asking people about their favorite dessert. Actually, well, I you do. know, we, you know, weirdly, Honey Bun's costume is based on a dessert. I tried to make myself look like the most delicious dessert that I possibly could because I just thought Ooh. if you're trying to manipulate the audience and, and you want to make a good impression, why not just dress like the most delicious dessert then you're in before you've even said anything. Oh my goodness. I actually did research where I or took screenshots of uh, French pastries mm. and they're very much shaped uh, like that costume. Wow. Is there anything that you want to work on any kind of project or creative endeavor you want to work on uh, this coming year or once the quarantine is over? I love filmmaking and I'm trying to become a stronger filmmaker. I'd mm -hmm. love to do more of that, although it's, it's also a huge pain in the ass. Uh, I'd love to do, I love doing ensemble theater. Um, one of my clown dreams I've gotten to do the last few weeks, I've always wanted to work in animation. I think I'd be a great uh, writer for animation. So I just weirdly had this gig fall in my lap where I've been doing some clown writing for uh, a, an adult stop animation show. And it's the perfect match. It's like a you got chocolate in my peanut butter moment. I'm like, it's great. And the director is a very good <laughs> director and really has an understanding of like what that magic is. That's the word that we use. It's like, what? Like, what's the match? You know, you can choreograph 
little moments of physical comedy, but like, what is the moment where it like lifts off and feels magic? And, and so I've been doing that and I want to do more of it. It's challenging because, you know, you're by yourself thinking of banging your head against the wall, trying to get ideas to come out. But I do what I learn and what I teach people in class. I get on my feet and I force myself to play and, and inevitably figure stuff out. And then I will make some, I'll videotape it and make proposals, get feedback. And then ultimately the video, uh, the second video goes to the animators and they use it for reference. And, and that's really fun. And I'm just like, oh, I want to make a whole show because it's opened my eyes up to not just developing these little vignettes, but why not do, you know, a whole show like this? Like it's possible, you know, and, and he's into that idea too, which would be huge. I mean, <laughs> but it's been a really fun project. So I've gotten to do that. So I want to do more of that, like clown for animation. Gilkey's done some of that. I know he worked with Pixar on Ratatouille, capturing <gasps> some movement and comedy. Uh, yeah, I believe the, what's the care the chef, the guy. Remy? What's his name? Yeah, I, the move, his uh, physicality is oh, very much John Gilkey. That's if amazing. You, yeah, if you watch him, it's like, oh yeah. So I wanna do more of that. I think it's really fun. I wanna do more, uh, like Doug Jones is, an, is another, uh, he's actually a, was a mime and uh, he does physical characters. He does the fish guy in the shape of water. Uh, oh, he he's does, my favorite. Yeah, he I does. I love a, him. He does a, a lot of stuff like that. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so fun. Uh, so I hope I get to do more of that. And I'm hoping this gig that I'm doing now opens up more doors to do that because also I'm good at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I tend to be very self-deprecating, but I'm doing this. I'm like, I, I know how to do this. Like yeah. I can crank this stuff out. Cause you have uh, all the technical training that now you can just go crazy with all the goods. Yeah. And my, I think that I, I do like performing. I'm not really a you know, I'm very shy. Uh, I'm not really one of those people that just likes being in front of people. I'm very whatever, but I do have this desire to express myself. So I do perform, but ultimately what I'm good at is creating. Uh, like going back to the report card is my, my strength is actually creativity. Cause even in performing, I'm not like one of those people that it's not that I don't think I'm a good performer, but I'm not one of those people that every time they're on stage, they're funny, you know, like Chad Damiani's like that. He always yeah. is funny. He just is funny. I'm very much a director. I'm an acquired taste. Yeah. If you give me a little space and room, I can think and put my brain to work and really hit the nail on the head. But uh, any given day, you know, I'm like everybody else. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I flop, you know, I'm stiff and awkward and disconnected. And so I, I think my, my asset is, is writing. And I'd like to really like try to let that, you know, and that's mm. any opportunity I've gotten is from my writing. When I think about it, the best advice I ever got in college was if you're not getting the opportunities you want, then create your own work. And I never make a good first impression. I never get cast in anything. And ultimately I'm left to my own. I make a weird thing. And then people go, oh, that's great. Now you can, you know, I prove myself in that different way. And uh, so I've had to like operate uh, that way um, yeah. and teach people how to appreciate me. Yeah. Um, it doesn't I, uh, happen right away. You have to teach them. I feel like I have to do the same because I, I always grew up thinking, well, I'm not as likable as someone else 
because I have a few like social hindrances. Like I don't get when people are joking or I'm just very like dry at times. So I always thought, well, I have to outwork everyone and I have to, same as you, I have to make my own, own opportunities. Like I was thinking before I started my podcast, I was like, ah, oh, the dream job to just work on a podcast and like, well, I have to make my own dreams. Yeah. My own jobs. Yeah. I think, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. And here you're doing it. What yes. episode is this? What number? This is probably episode six. Six. Okay, cool. So you've got six episodes, a whole season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be in season one of yeah. uh, uh, what is it's called like M talks to artists. Artists with M. Artists with M. There yeah. It's nice. Actually, I'm going to do starting December to the next December. That's going to be my first season. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Are you so trying I'm, to do one a week? Yeah, I am. Whoa, that's a lot of people. So I just, I edited the one with Karen Hall. Mm -hmm. uh, just, I just finished it today. Karen Hall is a friend. Sometimes we go on walks around the hood. Yeah, I was like very jealous when I heard this. <laughs> oh, did she tell you? Yeah, that you do mime, that she's done my, your mime class, but also that you're buddies. Yeah, uh-huh. Yes, jealous. Karen. Cellist, I always like to have a classically trained cellist in my uh, group of friends. Seriously, <laughs> she just performed her music on my podcast. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, so she's number five. And cool. uh, the fourth one, because I haven't posted these yet. So the third, the fourth one, I just finished editing yesterday. And it's like one of my actor friends who's a character actor. And she's done lots of like improv in New York and in LA. Oh, cool. So all these fun people. Great. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Little by little. <laughs> well, thank you. This has been very fun. You're welcome. Yay. So I will say goodbye. All righty. Okay. So thank you, Dean. You're welcome. Bye-bye.